Hey, brother! Guys, Harry's march into the forest at the end of Deathly Hallows is arguably one of the most epic scenes from the entire series. Voldemort's whole army and Voldemort himself literally surround Harry, who is unarmed, prepared to die. Voldemort has been waiting for this very moment for pretty much his entire life and definitely for all of Harry's life. And he has spent that whole time preparing for this. This is the moment. And he's overcome a myriad of pretty big problems too, like the twin cores. But now he holds the Elder Wand and he killed Severus Snape, making him the true master of it. Or at least, so he thinks. And now all that's left to do is to fulfill the prophecy, to kill Harry Potter, the chosen one, and to claim his rightful destiny. Of course, we the readers all know that he ultimately fails in this particular endeavor and is not successful in destroying Harry Potter. However, it really feels like coming into this moment that that's on the table. It could happen. If anything, it's an absolute literal miracle that Harry is ever able to leave that forest. I mean, for one, it's great that Harry survives. And again, miracle. But beyond that, if any one of Voldemort's followers had realized that Harry was still alive and told Voldemort, then he would have been surrounded by enemies. And all of them could have just immediately rushed Harry or Voldemort could just quite simply literally try to kill him again. So again, miracle one, coming back from the dead. Miracle two, getting out of the forest without anybody realizing that he's actually alive. Especially when you consider the fact that after he's even believed to be dead, Voldemort still attacks his body with Crucio. And yet, someone did know the truth, didn't they? Narcissa Malfoy in particular is the one who was selected to go over and check Harry's body to ensure that he was in fact dead. And this is a pretty pivotal moment for the entire wizarding world, right? Like we've always said how we wish that Draco had gotten a bit of a better redemption arc, but Narcissa pretty much does it for the entire Malfoy family right here. Because when she checks and discovers that Harry is still very much alive, she doesn't immediately report it to Voldemort. Instead, she uses the opportunity to ask Harry whether or not Draco is still alive in the castle. And when Harry is able to breathe out a reply and respond that Draco is still alive inside of the castle, Narcissus decides to lie to Voldemort and declare Harry as dead. And all good and well, right? We know how the rest of the story plays out from there. Amazing! But here's the real issue. How was it possible that Narcissa Malfoy was able to lie to Lord Voldemort? Because Voldemort is reported to be the greatest legilimens of all time. He even declares himself that you cannot lie to him. In fact, he brings up this particular ability twice in the opening chapter of Goblet of Fire, where he says, Do not lie to me, hissed the second voice. I can always tell, Wormtail. And then he also says to Frank Bryce, Do not lie to Lord Voldemort Muggle, for he knows. He always knows. And that's not even like the fully formed, fully resurrected version of Voldemort either. It's like the gross baby powerless thing that still believes that there is no way in the world that you could get away with lying to him. How is it then in this particular scene, the fully powered Voldemort at the height of his power, wielding the Elder Wand is able to be lied to by Narcissa Malfoy during the most important moment of his entire life. And she gets away with it. Well, today we find out.
Okay, big question today, guys. How does Narcissa Malfoy do it? How does she successfully lie to the greatest legilimens of all time during the most critical moment of his entire conquest? It is a tall order to be sure, and yet I think that there are four different explanations as to how this could even be on the table as possible. Let's just start with the most basic and easy explanation of them all, that Narcissa Malfoy, unbeknownst to anyone else, is a hyper-accomplished Occlumens, which as a refresher is the magical defense of the mind against external penetration, an obscure branch of magic, but a highly useful one. Now we know of course that Voldemort is regarded as being the world's most powerful legilimens. However, he's not infallible. Snape, for example, is a really good example. He is a magnificent Occlumens and is literally able to keep all of his goals and objectives hidden from Lord Voldemort at all times. Something that now that I actually say it out loud just seems positively exhausting. But also that's Snape, who's an insanely powerful wizard in his own right. But then on the other end of things, you also have Dumbledore who believes that Harry, who knows absolutely nothing about occlumency at all, might actually somehow be capable of hiding all of his own thoughts and dreams from Voldemort with a rudimentary education on the subject. But this one only actually bolsters the argument a little bit because Dumbledore is actually wrong about this assumption and Harry is pretty lousy at occlumency. On the flip side of Harry though, we also have Draco Malfoy, who is of course Narcissa's son. Draco is also a known and excellent practitioner of occlumency and is actually able to keep Snape's probing at bay through all of Half-Blood Prince. Now, when Snape actually discovers this characteristic of Draco, he immediately assumes that it must have been his aunt Bellatrix who taught him the skill. But it's even possible that Narcissa's lie inside of the Forbidden Forest is all but proof that it was actually her who taught Draco this ability. Because we also know that at the very beginning of Half-Blood Prince that Narcissa is already working against Voldemort's own objectives, at least some, and that she approaches Snape about making the unbreakable vow, ensuring that he would help Draco if he's unable to kill Dumbledore. So why wouldn't she have taught Draco this other incredibly useful skill as well from the very beginning? Not to mention, Bellatrix and Narcissa are sisters. So even if Bellatrix is known for being an accomplished Occlumens, it could be the case that both of them are. In which case, at the end of the day, it could literally have been either of them who taught Draco this skill for potentially varying reasons. The point is, maybe that's all there is to it. How is Narcissa able to lie to Voldemort? She's an accomplished Occlumens. And guys, we need to take a quick pause right there to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Gooder. Gooder! Guys, I will never get over the fact that Gooder is a sponsor of today's show because I have just genuinely been wearing Gooder sunglasses for years now. They make the best sunglasses and they start at just $25. They are stylish, lightweight, comfortable, and they don't shatter at the drop of a hat. Oh, and did I mention polarized? Because they are 100%. I've seriously had Gooders on my face through it all, whether it's beach trips or backpacking or running my very first marathon, all the while never worrying that they were going to fall off of my face or provide me with any discomfort. Because seriously, one of the most underappreciated aspects of a good pair of sunglasses is that they must be comfortable. I remember back in high school with my very first job, one of the things I was so excited to do was go and buy my first pair of real sunglasses and they were going to cost me hundreds of dollars, but it didn't matter. And I was dismayed to discover that they would start rubbing, especially like the bridge of my nose right here, just after a couple hours of wear. Or also like right here. Does anybody ever get that one? Like you get to the end of the day and you take them off and you're just like, 
Ow. But I can honestly say that you can wear gooders all day, no matter what you're doing. They're so comfortable that honestly, half the time I forget that I even have them on. Like. Right now, for instance, when did I put these on? Wasn't I wearing clear ones? But beyond comfort and being stylish, let's also talk about the bottom line, shall we? Because these are just $25 and they look like they could be a $250 pair. Meaning they're not just comfortable for your face, but also for your wallet. And they have tons of different styles and colors for all of your different fits. Guys, I feel like it's already pretty obvious, but I really can't recommend Gooder sunglasses enough. Plus Gooder is offering Super Carlin Mothers viewers free shipping on your first order. Simply head on over to gooder.com slash super and use promo code super to get free shipping. They even offer a 30 day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Again, that's going to be gooder.com slash super promo code super for free shipping on your first order. Link is in the description down below. Check them out. Or moving on from that, it could be explanation number two. Voldemort just simply didn't have his wits about him after the trip to King's Cross. Because when Voldemort attacks Harry, he ultimately ends up having the same experience. He also goes to King's Cross Station. In case you are unaware, once again, this is what that kind of gross, weird baby thing is underneath the bench. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've always interpreted this to be Voldemort's ultimate fate as well. This is what happens to him after he is destroyed in the Great Hall at Hogwarts. He is just in some kind of bizarre limbo land forever. Which, on the whole, is effectively a fate much, much worse than death. And this is very fitting with the overall themes of the story, which is that death is not a bad thing. In fact, it is a good thing, a natural thing that one must ultimately accept. So if Voldemort's ultimate fate was just simply death, in a way that would almost be like a good thing for him, in a way. But he's done so much damage to himself and his soul that he is actually unable to pass on to death. It's almost like all of the drawbacks of becoming a ghost and being kissed by a Dementor. And then like seven times worse than that. Anyway, the point is that Voldemort would have just had a terribly close encounter with actual death. The thing that he himself fears the most. So he would very understandably be kind of spooked inside of this moment. And killing Harry didn't exactly work out the last time that he did it. And this time he himself ended up being knocked unconscious, which isn't something that usually happens when he kills. So again, it's just possible he didn't have his wits about him inside of this specific moment and therefore didn't even attempt legitimacy. Heck, even when he actually commands Narcissa to go and check for a pulse, he himself is still like physically standing back up from being knocked out. Which by the by, I never really given this proper consideration before, but like if Voldemort is also knocked out and also in King's Cross, like did he see all of the same things? Did he see something different? Either way though, the other point that you can make here is the fact that Narcissa herself isn't even a full-blown Death Eater and therefore Voldemort's just sheer arrogance would lead him to believe that she would be so terrified of him that there's no chance in the world that she would lie. Or even just the idea that her skills just wouldn't be refined enough to even have to worry about practicing something like legilimens on her. Which I totally agree with you. That is a ridiculous assumption and brings me to explanation number three, which I also find to be the most intriguing. What if Voldemort did read her mind in this situation, knows that she's lying and disregards that information anyway? <laughs> Which yes, I do know sounds absurd, but I also think that you really cannot underestimate the level of arrogance that Voldemort possesses. Because from his point of view, this is what he sees. He just sent Narcissa, who isn't even a full-time Death Eater, to check to see whether or not Harry 
is still alive. Which of course, again, in Voldemort's mind, of course he can't be because he, Voldemort, the most powerful and special wizard who ever lived, who is currently wielding the Elder Wand, which he is absolutely the master of, who just hit this unarmed Specky Git with the unblockable Avada Kedavra curse. Specky Git, by the way, is what Fred and George refer to Harry as when they take the Polyjuice Potion and turn into him before the Battle of the Seven Potters. I always think it's a hilarious description of Harry. Wow. We're identical. The point is, Voldemort himself, to his credit, actually has lots of really good reasons to believe that there is no way in the world that Harry could still be alive. And then on top of that, he is also Voldemort. Sometimes I think it's just actually difficult to think the way that Voldemort thinks because all of us out here in the real world are aware of some nuance. We are capable of some self-doubt. And the point I'm trying to make is he is not capable of those things. <laughs> Which means having Narcissa check for a pulse is just a formality. But so again, let's just set the scene back up for you. Narcissa walks over, checks to see whether or not Harry is still alive. And he is. Then she lies about it. Dead. Voldemort reads her mind, realizes she's lying about it. So if you're Voldemort, you can interpret this in basically two different ways. Either that Narcissa believes that Harry is alive, but is obviously mistaken, or that Harry just simply actually is alive. And if you fast forward just a little bit in the story to where Harry actually reveals himself inside of the Great Hall at the Battle of Hogwarts, Voldemort himself seems the least surprised by it. Everyone else is cheering and absolutely losing their minds, but Voldemort barely misses a beat. Harry pulled off the invisibility cloak at last. The yell of shock, the cheers, the screams on every side of, Harry, he's alive, were stifled at once. The crowd was afraid and silence fell abruptly and completely as Voldemort and Harry looked at each other and began at the same moment to circle each other. Do you see what I mean? There's like no shock from Voldemort at all. It's almost like he fully expected this to happen. But if he knew that Harry was alive and that Narcissa was lying, then why pretend otherwise? Or is it possible that this is somehow the real reason that he then goes on to attack what he believes to be Harry's dead body? You see, screeched Voldemort over the tumult. Harry Potter is dead by my hand, and no man alive can threaten me now. Watch, Crucio! I mean, in a way, this doesn't not add up. Like, just consider the situation. He is currently surrounded by all of his followers, all of whom fear Harry, and they all consider Voldemort to be the most powerful wizard ever. This is the moment everyone has been waiting for. Suppose for a second that Voldemort lets his entire army know, all of them, all at once, that he was unable to kill Harry, who had walked into the forest willingly and unarmed. Because in that case, Voldemort just simply loses all of his credibility. His cause would basically be deemed dead in the water and everybody would just scatter immediately, either because they are terrified at the fact that Harry somehow survived or possibly they would even just like turn on Voldemort in some kind of like mad power struggle. Neither of these are exactly options if you're Voldemort. So he basically just needs to continue to proceed as if this is the reality, even if he himself knows that Harry is still alive. So he pretty much needs to use Harry's apparent death as a way to go and finish off the rest of the battle over at Hogwarts and then 
eventually at some other point in time kill him for real for reals? Honestly, guys, when we first started writing this video, I felt like this was going to be the least likely explanation, but the further into it we got, the more it held water. But that being said, it brings us to our fourth and final, and what I would still argue is the most likely explanation as to how Narcissa was able to lie to Voldemort. Voldemort underestimates love, specifically a mother's love. Well, I think that all of these other explanations are completely reasonable. I still feel like this is the best answer. It fits the most thematically, the most with the long-standing lore of the series, and I think brings the entire story full circle. Plus, the last few chapters of this entire series are full of moms, in particular, defeating Voldemort. First, and most importantly, you of course have Lily's own sacrifice, tethering Harry to life inside of the blood that Voldemort took into himself, thus defeating him again. This is and always has been the main thing that Voldemort has never been able to grasp, because if he did, there is no chance in the world he ever would have taken Harry's own blood into himself. But as Dumbledore points out, if Voldemort was capable of understanding this, then maybe he wouldn't have been Voldemort at all. If he could only have understood the precise and terrible power of that sacrifice, he would not perhaps have dared to touch your blood. But then if he had been able to understand, he could not be Lord Voldemort and might never have murdered at all. After Lily, we of course have Molly Weasley who steps in to protect Ginny and takes down Voldemort's top remaining lieutenant. Bellatrix Lestrange. We actually just made an entire video about this particular moment because we think it's awesome. If you want to check it out, full video by clicking the card. But who would have ever thought that Molly, who had dedicated her entire life to caring for her family, could have stood up to Bellatrix, a dark and dangerous, powerful witch who is battle-tested. But as ever, a mother's love prevails. And so that just leaves us with Narcissa, who successfully lies to Voldemort. A move that is 100% motivated by her care and concern for her own son, Draco. And therefore, I don't even think she has any need for occlumency inside of this moment. Voldemort is so incapable of understanding this kind of a motivation that he is unaware of its effect being used against him. And this also sets up that full circle payoff that we were talking about. The entire story is set into motion by Voldemort's attempt and failure to kill Harry due to a mother's love. And the story ultimately ends by Voldemort being lied to about Harry's death because of a mother's love. Time after time after time, it's the same explanation over and over and over again. The way that Narcissa was able to effortlessly lie to Voldemort is thanks to a mother's love. But guys, as ever, be sure to let us know what do you think in the towel section down below. Also, don't forget to like this video and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you want to check out that video on what spell Molly actually used to take down Bellatrix, you can check that out right over here. But otherwise, until next time, bye!